Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, we haven't done this in so long. I I'm like, do you blanked. have a name? <laughs> <laughs> hey, bestie. I'm Aminatu So. <laughs> I'm Ann Friedman. Wow, we are like really limping over the finish wow. line of this year. Can you believe I forget how our intro goes? Anyway, for everybody who is listening, we are deliriously tired. Hi. <laughs> Um, you know me. I'm a Q3 bitch exclusively. Q4, I, I fall apart again. On this week's agenda, Nancy Pelosi sits down with the horrible Cheeto and it became a real housewife shouting match. Life and biz admin at the end of the year. Plus some truly delightful scammer nuns and our tips for end of year giving. Do you want to talk about the news? Um, you know, honestly, let's talk about the news because the news is kind of LOL right now. I mean, it's like, uh, depressing, but sometimes there's like the occasional LOL. So yeah, let's do it. I mean, you mean the fact that our horrible Cheeto president actually has to sit down with Democrats now? Is that what you're referring to? Oh my God. So let me tell you this. I saw on the news, I think it was like last week. They were like, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Donald Trump all going to sit down for a meeting. And I literally said out loud, oh boy. I've never said oh boy out loud before. <laughs> that's what why. about who boy? Have you said who boy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I usually go who child. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, no boy, just child. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is Caucasian nonsense. So hence the oh boy. <laughs> but I I am really glad that we lived long enough to hear about this meeting because the meeting is bananas. Beloved friend of the podcast, Michael Arsenault, tweeted that it was like a Real Housewives reunion. It very much looks like that. Like they're all scattered around sitting in the Oval Office in chairs that are like supposed to look comfortable, but no one is comfortable. You know when you do that thing where you're perched a little bit forward and your back is not making contact with the back of the sofa? And like, yes, because you got to look in the camera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Like they are they are all doing that. And, you know, and, and honestly, it was just like the most... Like, why is this even happening? Like, why are we even filming this? What does this have to do with democracy or getting things done? I mean, nominally, nominally, it had to do with budgetary issues over the border in which truly horrible people want $5 million to build a border wall and less horrible but still bad people want $1.3 million to build a border wall. Like, that is what's going on. And these are the people screaming at each other. This, the whole thing is wild. Like, And it also just reminds me that Real Housewives of D.C. was the weakest in the franchise. So it also, you know, I'm like, still checks out. Um, Like art did not imitate life there. (laughs) Right. And so the thing that's going, there's so many things going on. One, you know, Ivanka's dad forever treating the country like it's a reality TV show. Nancy Pelosi is like sitting there and going like, hey, maybe like, let's not shut down the government. And Mike Pence is acting like he's not in the room all of the pictures of him from the like made me cringe i was like where is mother like where is mother why is mother not here controlling this he's trying to play like the neutral game he's he's embarrassed he's trying to be there and then also like chuck schumer is talking wild 
Today felt like one of those like a little slightly out of body experiences where it was like, is this really happening right now? For me, I just kept thinking about like the Obamas, like they go low, we go high and like the consequences and the various ways that like that idea has played out of like, do you sink to the Cheeto dust on like the the bottom rung of our democracy kind of like level or do you like try to pretend like you are still a professional with a job to do and I think like what happened in this meeting is everyone just played the exact Trump game like everyone argued about who won a bigger victory in the midterms like these are all facts right like we don't need to argue like who won the house and who won the senate like we know you know just this idea of everyone needs to reiterate like well we won this well we won that and it's like that is shouldn't you have all done your homework before you came to this room and known this and like why are you reiterating it for the cameras we don't care and also you know like just a reminder that these people literally get in in it for winning and the rest of us are like these are our lives at stake you know what i mean like you guys are having a contest and the rest of us are just waiting to see where the other shoe's gonna drop. I also feel like this is the kind of ridiculous and unproductive conversation that happens all of the time in Washington, D.C. And the reason why they were like, let's get this on camera and broadcast it in real time is because like, like this president cannot be trusted to like accurately represent the content of a talk like this behind closed doors. So it's like, again, it's like you are playing his game um, and and having this conversation in public view and frankly embarrassing yourselves in the process. Right. And you know the thing, and I'm so less interested in, you know, in the Trump-Pence stake of this all. I was like, this is exactly what I expect from them. Sure. The thing that is really interesting about this meeting to me is exactly what the people who are supposed to be representing us are doing. So I love that you brought up the like, when they go low, we go high thing, because like clearly that's not working out for us. And another thing that, like, makes me so frustrated about this, like, I understand why Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have to take these meetings. I think, like, you know, in an ideal world, it's productive to, like, I don't know, for, like, opposing sides to talk to each other. The country is at stake, after all. But here, I'm like, what the fuck are you people actually doing? And it's been really frustrating over the last couple of weeks to hear, you know, the reporting of how Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are like, for example, the concessions that they're willing to make on the wall. And like, I don't know how to tell you this. The only there's no concession to be made. The man literally should get zero dollars for a wall. Like there is no there is no amount of money that is morally acceptable to appease. Him. Exactly. Like so, one point three billion. Like, no, that's like not OK. This yeah. Is not they're just like, let's give him a little bit from. of money. And so, he, could, you know, it's like distracting a pet with a ball. And I'm like, excuse me. The the actual accurate thing for you to say, like, this is why we vote you people in is so that you say zero zero like that's what that's what's going on here and then to like watch so it's like nancy pelosi after the meeting right like here is the quote that she is like that she she's giving she's like it's it's like a manhood thing with him as if manhood can be associated with him and i was like first of all (laughs) why the man has been president for how long now and you still don't know how to say like sexism like just say (laughs) it out loud and also why are you surprised? The rest of us who are watching this are not surprised. Not to spoiler alert Nancy Pelosi, it doesn't end well. This is like happening like in real time as we are recording this. But apparently she said to her like Democratic colleagues in the House describing the meeting, it was so wild. It goes to show you, it, you get into a tickle contest with a skunk, you'll get tinkle all over you. 
Um, the other like actual best part of the meeting was this is when Trump said he was like, Nancy's in a situation where it's not easy to talk right now. Uh. And then and then here's what Nancy responded. Please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meeting. And I was like this. I was like, actually, this I love this moment right here because it is truly like the essence of Nancy Pelosi that she is stuck in a in a double standard of all of the people in that meeting. She is the smartest, most capable person. And of all of the people in that meeting, she is the only one that like routinely faces consequences for what she does and what she believes. And this is not me saying that like everything Nancy Pelosi does is right, because I certainly disagree a lot with Nancy Pelosi. But I will also say that when uh, when it's all said and done and the history books are written, if they're written fairly, Nancy Pelosi will go down as one of the most like consequential politicians who actually got shit done. Yeah, I mean, and it's one of those things where it's complicated, right? Because I'm like, do I hate the fact that they just had this, like, televised meeting to presumably negotiate over a thing that they should not be negotiating over? Yeah. Like, do I think that it was, like, an annoying spectacle? Yeah. Do I love all of Nancy's policies? No. However, like, people who love her already are going to only see this as, like, she stood up to him and showed strength. And I'm like, can can we hold it true at the same time that this was, like, a stupid thing to engage in in front of cameras and also that it was satisfying to watch her stand up 100%. to this horrible president? 100%. I am in so the same with way, you. But at the, the same, same time, I'm can... like, if you don't put yourself in this room, you don't have to look like a fool in front of him. Right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't necessarily think that she looked like a fool, like in real time. But I was like, when I was watching it, I was just like, I can't get over the fact that like they're here to negotiate a thing that is letting him set $1.3 million on fire. Billion. And, sorry, billion. one point. Sorry, sorry. I keep saying million because it's like my brain won't accept. They're, they're going to let him set $1.3 billion on fire as like, you know, a mating ritual with his base that like will do nothing to actually advance any democratic ideals or like the safety and prosperity of this country or like literally anything. Like it's truly just how much money should we give you to do this signposting thing? Zero. Like, the answer yeah. is zero. But th- so that's the thing. Know. It's that our, the people on our side are also useless. And it's been it's very frustrating to see ordinary citizens like forever do more work and try to push the democratic party as far left as they should be and to watch them like cave every single time i was like this is not possible to me that this is the best that we can do the other thing that i will say about this is that one of the central frustrations of the trump years for me has been that like there could have a thousand percent been a scenario in which trump goes down as this like very dumb but hilarious like campy kind of president but the thing is we can't laugh because there's literal nazis in the house y'all are doing nazi shit so none of this is funny but when he starts off the meeting and he's like we're gonna talk about the wall and i'll tell you it's a tough issue because we are on opposite sides the first thing i wanted to do was laugh (laughs) i was like sir (laughs) you lied on your resume and now you have a job that you can't do and now all we get is comedy all the time but we can't laugh because literally people's lives are at stake and also nazis Yeah. And it's one of those things where, I mean, I think that this is important because it is like, okay, um, Nancy Pelosi, a figure who I think has been um, both fairly and unfairly maligned, like from the left, which is to say that I, I think that she exhibits like many of the problems that say Chuck Schumer does, but she comes in for like way, way, way more criticism because gender and her age. Also, it is truly like it is that she's an older woman specifically that makes it easy for people to attack her in this way. 
and for her to like experience this double standard and people not really stand up for her. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Chuck Schumer is a spring chicken, you know? I mean, it's <laughs> like... <laughs> he's, he's 33, okay, Anne? Let oh it go. God. Yeah, like, I... He's like, he's like a Tom Cruise 33, is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> um, but... I think that like that's another layer here of like this is sort of the the first time heading into a new situation in Congress that like there is a, a hint at how will Democrats with a modicum of power approach this president or deal with him. And I think like, you know, that's why it's so complicated. The idea of like, wow, I hate your policy position, but also like in some of like the choices you've made to like pretty much acquiesce and have this ridiculous reality TV meeting um, while at the same time, everyone is getting really excited when Nancy Pelosi is like, it's a masculinity thing for him, which is like, you know, something that most of us have been well aware of for at this point, four years. So, you know, I mean, it's like a, I don't know. It is, it is a real complicated stew. It's a complicated <laughs> stew, but you know, the, the thing about Sorry, that's it is the worst mixed metaphor. I know. Listen, it, it is complicated, but the thing is that like, we can hold all of these truths up to the light at the same time, you know, and say like, hi, um, Nancy Pelosi is, you know, like she will go down as probably one of the best speakers of the house. Like that is true. It is true. Her politics are really fucking shitty sometimes. And it's also true that people treat her in a way that they don't treat her male colleagues, for example, because she's a, because she's a woman and because she's older and so on and so forth. I'm okay with like having complicated conversations about people in power as opposed to just like, you know, having purity tests for people like this person is good all the time. This person is bad all the time. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, Anybody who is actively seeking power is probably bad. So <laughs> let's like, you know, like let's start as a baseline there. Oh my God. I really like hearing you say something like that and like kind of agreeing with it is making me flash back to my dad basically being like, oh, politicians are terrible. And I'm like, oh my God, like has the snake eaten its own tail? Like what is going on? Yeah, politicians are terrible. They are. It's like the, whenever there is like a new kind of populism or whatever, people are like, the reason I'm voting for so-and-so is because the status quo is not working. Whether it's like people voting for Bernie or it's people voting for Trump. I never dismiss that attitude because I'm like, you're right. If it was working, we wouldn't be here. If it was working, we would just let them run the show. But instead, it's like we literally vote for these people. We pay them. And then we have to fucking supervise them every step of the way. I don't have time for this. I don't know how to tell you this, but like anyone who pays someone has got to supervise the person they pay. <laughs> <laughs> this is how the world works. <laughs> this is why. This is why. Listen, everybody knows my real feelings about dictatorship. It's not terrible. As long as it's benevolent. <laughs> exactly. Benevolent dictatorship is my favorite form of government. Um, you know, but all like kidding aside, it is, you know, like I understand why people are dissatisfied with how things work. It's also true that this is the reason that we elect a certain people to office. But when being an elected official is literally a career path for people, I was like, we run into a lot of problems there. This is why we have political dynasties. This is why we have people like... If your goal is to be a congressman for a lifetime, I can't trust you. I was like, you need to do something else. This is not how this is supposed to work. It's wild. How are you doing over there? Oh, you know, I mean, 
I'm in like a very reflective about my busier mode. I've been simultaneously like closing out my books and doing my last little bits of work that I like do not want to carry in a lumpy sack on my back into 2019 with me. And then also shopping for things to wear to this black tie New Year's Eve wedding I am attending. You are going to look so good. Okay, here is my issue. I do not wear heel shoes with a heel over two inches tall. Like two inches is where I max out. My pref is like inch, inch and a half, but I still need to look dressed up. And literally it is all like gentle souls, easy spirit, naturalizer territory. If you want a low heel in like a Listen, fashion shoe. And I think that the pressure of like saying that a heel is what makes a dressed out outfit is it's like ridiculous expectation, right? Yes. Because a lot of it is just like, it's visuals. I think that if you distract everybody from your feet, you could literally wear Birkenstocks and look dressed up. You are like the queen of the chunky jewelry game. And you are so good at like a dramatic neckline situation. Who is looking at your feet? Listen, I know that to be true, but it's now it's one of those things where I've spent way too much time. I just I've gotten annoyed about it. Like I hear you. I feel confident that I'm going to look great no matter what. I have like <laughs> shoe options in my closet. It is really not about like my anxiety of like what will people think even though like Of course, also you know, our friends are great. But exactly. Okay, here's the thing about the shoe. Cuz this is the fake rule that I've always had for myself and I think you will understand why I own many of the shoe cuz I also don't wear heels. I feel that like if I don't want to wear a heel, if the shoe is pointy, that's the that's a heel kind of situation. Right. I hear you. And I, I agree. Like I adhere to many rules like that, too. Or like um, if it's got some like ridiculous, like shiny element or mm -hmm. like, you know, like 100 percent. Like I think that there are a lot of ways to be black tie high fashion and not be in like a sky high heel. I get it. This is like in my like million dollar ideas, right? Like someday when I own like some kind of like semi-ethical online shopping hub for <laughs> for women with extremely long legs and torsos. Um, and also there will be a whole section where it's just like a, a paradise, a field of two inches and below heels that you can just skip through, like delighted while you think about all the comfort that you're going to experience while you wear these. What are you going to what are you going to call this shop? Kitten heels galore? Mm just tall enough <laughs> just tall enough i love a tiny two inch heel but i you know like i live in a flat so whenever i see women in heels all the time i'm very impressed because i just don't i don't know how they do it i think that that's part of it it's like psychological as also someone who lives in a flat i'm like oh like like it is about how i feel i'm going an extra step so to speak for this wedding yeah. <laughs> that's the name of the store fool extra an step extra step the extra step <laughs> Uh, okay, you've closed your books. You're opening a shoe business. Yes, done. I'm like adding new priorities left and right to my 2019 list. Do you want to close my books for me? Please, the most unpleasant task I have to do, like anything related to spreadsheets, related to biz. It's almost like I am not a business person. I just had to, I just ended up here. <laughs> well, do you have any like tips and tactics for doing it a tiny bit of it? throughout the year so that it doesn't feel painful even though I have not tackled mine yet I feel like they will be substantially less painful than last year I mean yeah there's like a few things I did for myself like 2018 is the first year I've worked with a bookkeeper shout out to Akina she's the best um and that has made me feel very confident that like there is a professional looking over my shoulder as I try to keep track of things 
Um, that's good. I've also been um, really good like this year and and I think last year as well. Um, when I categorize my income or when I like log it in the spreadsheet that I use, I always note what revenue stream it's from. I mean, like you and I both have these jobs where we do a million different things in a year. And like, so being able to kind of say, okay, I can just sort this spreadsheet and see at a glance, which, Mm -hmm. how much money I made from each little corner of my business, you know, from this podcast, from the newsletter, from the writing I do, from speaking, from blah, 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 blah. And I think that has made the process of like looking back and reflecting and trying to set goals for the coming year a lot better. Um, What are your tips? I'm proud of you. That's my tip. Um, my <laughs> <laughs> my other tip is I think that you're right about the bookkeeper. So I um, have not been using a bookkeeper, but late in the year started using a bookkeeping system. And because, uh, you know, tech people problems. And Wait, I have you mean fe- like an app or something? Yeah, like, like an app. I started using a service. It's like a tech service. And hmm. so far it's been working really well. But I do think that I want that um, like a more high touch like a person because you're right, like multiple streams of income. The other thing that I have been doing is that in my Gmail, I've I made like categories for um, like labels for almost everything that has to do with business. Like there is a label for expense receipts. There is a label Mm -hmm. for donations there is a label for incoming requests that I haven't responded to or whatever because I found that half of like what was bogging me down was going back to look for things and I was Mm. like if I do them in the moment it takes two seconds and then I don't have to stress out about it I totally agree with you about tagging everything income related like that's also very smart and uh you know and still like the best money that I spend is on an accountant that I love and she is retiring at the end of the year, so I'm looking for a new accountant. If there's anybody in CYG land who is a good, uh, a good New York-based, um, you know, like accountant that works with freelancers, holla at your girl. Because wow, your accountant is so good, she's getting out of the game. You are yeah, like part of her swan song. <laughs> she's yeah. She's like, I'm done. She's like, I've been doing this for years. And she told me she was like, of all my clients, you're the one I worry about the most. So I need to land somewhere good. And, you know, it's just that thing where we've talked about this like so much on the show. One of the things that gives me like so much anxiety is this kind of life admin because I ignore it for so long. And then when I actually have to do something related to it, I'm stressed out because I don't want to go back to look at it. And it turns out that if you just do a little bit every day, like five minutes, it's like that Martha Stewart, like how do you keep your, I don't know, your like bathroom counters clean? You just have to clean it for five minutes every day. At the end of the year, it's not impossible. I hear that. I respect it. I'm better some months than others. <laughs> yeah, I'm better some years than others. So mm-hmm. we'll see how we'll see how this year turns out. I say this a lot as somebody who has like a lot of anxiety and, uh, you know, and a lot of my anxiety a lot of times comes from being disorganized this kind of way. And mm-hmm. so I've just found that like doing a little bit of it as you go makes you feel better. And if you can't do it and if you can afford it, like hire people to help you or pay for services that can help. And also just like know that everybody else is struggling with it. Like that's the other thing. I thought that I was like uniquely a mess and that I couldn't get this part of my life together. And I was like, oh, everybody's on the brink of IRS jail every day. That's fine. Oh, constantly, constantly. Um, I do have a resource that I love. Um, A friend of mine who recently got... Um, graduated with her accounting degree and who before she decided to become an accountant was a 
self-employed or like contractually employed working artist has started like not only her own accounting business, but a lot of transparency around tips and advice for people who have complicated lots of different types of revenue, like not just like one piece of paper from an employer type accounting lives. And she is at Taxes for Artists on Instagram. And I follow that account. I didn't even know it was in the family. Look at you. Yeah, my friend Claudia. Um, she is the best. So um, yeah, follow her for like really good regular tips and a lot of things where, you know how sometimes when people are giving financial advice and um, it's really clear that they don't live in the same digital spheres that you live or like mm-hmm. maybe they do, maybe they have a lot more money than you have i mean she's very real about like okay look i know that you're hoarding receipts because you're nervous about not knowing what is an expense that you can write off take pictures of everything in this way and whatever what you know i mean she's very good at identifying um what is just like inherited stuff you heard from your parents about what's good to do accounting wise and what is like hey you should actually be paying attention to this yeah this is this is great. Um, that Instagram account is really great too. Uh, yes. Oh, also my other tip, which is a thing that I learned from you that like saved my life this year, is that I got a separate credit card for work stuff for business, yes. and it was the best to just be like, here are the statements, and just turn them over to uh, the accountant instead of like digging through and having to decide like what was personal and what was not. It was great. Ugh, like truly, if I could time travel to the my, the first year of my un slash self-employment, <laughs> I would be like open a business credit card immediately. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Like go directly to the bank and open this. It's perfect. It is perfect. So getting it together at the end of 2018. Getting it together 2018. And you know what? If we fail, there's always next year. So, you know, <laughs> we got this. It's true. Like slight improvement year over year is my only goal. Like not perfection. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm not perfect. I already know that. I just want the government to know that and my friends to know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of getting your act together before the year is over, a quick announcement. You may have seen on our social channels that we have restocked the CYG shop. It is full of incredible things that you can buy for your besties or for yourself. I mean, be your own bestie. Time is of the essence if you are still trying to shop for Christmas in particular, because today, the day this episode comes out, Friday, December 14th, is the last day to get your orders in so they arrive before the holiday. However, the shop is open 24-7 well into 2019, and if you are just looking for some cute swag anytime, anytime it's there for you. Do you have a fave of this new merch run? Man. Oh, I love the pouch. And I love everything. But the pouch that says, like, see you on the internet, it is the perfect size for all the things that I need. It's, like, very good canvas situation. I mean, like, I bought myself one, even though we got one for free. So that's how much I love it. Oh, my God. I have two faves. One is we're selling this mug. So so I don't think we really realized until listeners would point it out, mostly on social media, that you and I both, whenever we are, like, disgusted by the state of this world or frustrated, tend to just go, Uh, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's my truest essence (laughs) the truest essence and i don't know if you've ever seen those like vintage mugs that say big hug mug they're like from the 70s yes Um, 
we we made these very cute ceramic mugs that we are calling the big ugh mug that just say uh on one side i love it i love it <laughs> also it's a big mug you know i love a big mug you know I, that I mug is yeah. really big when i got it i was like i thought when when you mentioned it it was just like a regular size mug and i was like oh this is amina and ann size i'm into this this is why we're calling it the big ugh mug um uh, so that's one fave. And then my other fave is these incredible slippers, like canvas, but like with a really squishy footbed that say on the t- on the top, free boobin. <laughs> ah, okay. I can't wait to get those. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect like wear around your home anthem, free, free boobin. <laughs> it's so real. It's so real. Carly does like such a great job, like sourcing everything it's always like the softest and the cutest. So, you know, like I trust her with my with my fashion life. It's great. Yeah. And so anyway, everything is at shopcyg.com. There's some classics like our Shine Theory enamel pins, a bunch of new fun stuff that is for the holiday or frankly, for any time. that's actually not frustrating you no listen i was just gonna say let me hit you with a palate cleanser which is uh this article i was howling at this week about a couple of nuns in southern california who embezzled half a million dollars in tuition fees and donations my from queens, a Catholic school. my queens queens of stealing from the people and giving back to themselves what I mean, okay, first of all, in our like matrix of thinking about scammers, we always have to think about like, who is the victim here? Who is getting burgled? And the answer is the Catholic Church, which I mean, you know, I'm like, yes, I know, but also the kids and kind of. Is it though? Is it the kids though? I mean, you know, (laughs) all I'm saying is like, like, why these parents are sending their kids to private school, private Catholic school when there's public school. You're right. Victimless crime. You're right. You're right. I am excited about the Catholic church being the victim of this like (laughs) nonviolent embezzlement scam. Um, Also uh, they use the funds for quote, lavish vacations and trips to the (laughs) casino. Can you imagine? I just picture like nuns in full habit, like sitting at the slots. I hope so. I hope so. Also all the articles said that they were, they were, seen to be best friends and i was like if you're stealing with somebody they are your best friend okay 
you were in you were in the deal together and like also like okay i think about this a lot with nuns about how like centuries and centuries ago i would 100 percent have opted for the abbey i would have been like look i don't want to be conscripted into like serving a man and having a bunch of kids and living my agrarian life and or whatever being a nun is literally serving the man no, no, no. But listen, like I'm talking about an era when like your option is have a million babies and don't learn to read or be like a celibate nun serving more of like an abstract man slash some like men who are not tied to you by an arrangement of your families. Right. Wow. I'm just saying a long time ago, like we're talking like middle ages and I would have opted I would have opted to become a nun. Also, hello. Like when you look at like, like what are the earliest writings we have available by women who are literally the only people telling women's stories prior to a certain date? Women with free time to blog, aka exactly, nuns. Exactly. Because they didn't have a million kids because pre-birth control. The anyway, OG, I'm just saying, The OG mommy bloggers, nuns. Not a mommy blogger is the best kind of bloggers. Um, so anyway, so I'm like, okay, I understand this was a compelling option centuries ago. However, in the year of our Lord, 2018, you are both taking a vow of poverty and consigning yourself to having zero power within the institution that you took a vow of poverty for. Like you are not leading a congregation. You are like not in charge of shit. Like go ahead and embezzle. I'm like, this is just a corrective. <laughs> I'm going to make fun. you a t-shirt that says go ahead and embezzle. <laughs> I, I like really, I'm like, look, you made some bad choices about what you were doing with your own finances and like who you were answering to for the rest of your lives. At least you had some fun at the casino and yeah, the church is not pursuing criminal charges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because game recognized game. Like, the what are they going to do? Crime. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do? We steal from people. They stole from us. Like, who's going to prosecute that? Uh, I love Grateful it. Grateful the, for these nuns. <laughs> the year of the scam continues on. I'm so happy for these nuns. I hope they retire and they get to keep their casino money. Mm. Me too. Maybe they'll retire in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I'm gonna go Photoshop you into a habit. I think you would look great. Okay, you always look great with dramatic like headpiece situations, so it's great. Thank you, but you, it would have to be more like a medieval woodcut situation. <laughs> like it would have to be really clear that like what I'm wearing the habit. Already asserting your fashion choices. <laughs> I'm like I have to be. It has to be clear from the portrait that I'm not a nun in like the modern era. Like I'm a nun in like the Dark Ages. That's You're like, really hi, the only. I was a nun yeah. before it was cool to be a nun. Okay. That oh, no. era. I was a nun during the only period in which it was cool to be a nun. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I thought about this a lot. Oh my gosh. Catholic school, Anne, you are my favorite. Thank you. A hundred percent. Okay, before we go, I have a question for you. Uh-oh, tell me. Which is the year is almost up, and both of us are very committed to end of year giving for both feeling good about how we've spent the year uh, after we figure out how our financial situation shakes out and also for the tax benefits and supporting causes we love. Where are you kicking your dollars at the end of the year? Oh my God. So my, you know this, my giving strategy has been haphazard, like at best for years. But this year I decided that I was going to keep it to things that like actually incredibly like matter to me. So doing one thing personal, one thing local, and one thing international or that has a further reach than me. So as you know, there's a refugee caravan in Tijuana right now. And Families Belong Together has been on the ground like working with them. And so I have been thinking a lot about 
uh, you know, about immigration. I've been thinking a lot about like my own asylum journey and also how America like talks about immigration in these ways as super problematic. And and mostly I've just been like thinking a lot about the kids that are in these caravans and their families and their backgrounds and what they're doing to get here. So if you go to Families Belong Together, you can kick them some money and they are working on the ground with a lot of people. If you are on Instagram or on Twitter, you can follow my pal, Paula Mendoza, who has been going um, back and forth to the border and taking photos. And it's been like very, very, very affecting. The other thing that um, I have been doing on the local front is that I found an organization in New York that donates warm clothes to people who are in prisons. Um, notably like Rikers here. So if you um, want to support uh, this effort, you can go to the Brooklyn Defender Services uh, on Twitter, or I think if you go online, they have an Amazon link that you can specifically go to and donate stuff from the wish list of detained people because they have no heat, they have paper-thin uniforms and really thin blankets, and you can buy them socks, thermals, shirts, and all of that stuff. And, you know, and I feel like that's a good fuck you to the carceral state that we live in. The other, yes. like, the other hyper-local thing that I do every year now, thanks to um, my friend Caroline Moss, is adopt a family on uh, Operation Santa. So all you have to do is go to DeliverCheer.com. It's run by USPS. And you can read through, like, th like hundreds and thousands of letters. You pick one family and you buy them all gifts. And the way that we have been doing it in our Brooklyn friend family, because obviously like you, you know, you sponsor one family and then you start reading letters and you're just like, can't handle it. You're like, I want to help everybody is that we've been running like Venmo accounts and adopting like many different families. So like, I will say like, Hey, I have five letters. Anybody who wants to give in, just like send me the money. I will put it all together. I'll go to the post office and deliver the packages. And it honestly is like the highlight of my uh, of my holidays to do that every year. So deliverchair.com. If anybody here works at USPS or knows anybody who works at USPS, fucking fix the website. We want to give you more money. Uh, Operation <laughs> Santa is amazing. Santa deserves a better website. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Those are my three things that I'm giving to this year. Uh, I love that. Um, okay, so my strategy is that there are a few things that I have recurring ongoing support donation set up for throughout the year in part because I'm like I don't notice it as much when it's like a little bit or a smaller amount every month but it adds up to the same amount that I would like like to give at the end of the year and I make those things the things that I'm like oh I support this no matter what even if it is not popping up in the headlines in a really intense way. So like for me those are the bail project which is like a revolving bail fund that um uh, allows people who are low income to like avail themselves of their full rights and post bail. Super basic, a thing that's happening always and is like rarely grabbing me from the news headlines. I have like recurring support to the National Network of Abortion Funds for the same reason. That feels more urgent in some years than others, but is like a standing. And then also the movement for Black Lives and showing up for racial justice, which is a donation that I split because I'm like, this is forever kind of work. And then like you, I try to make some local picks every year. Um, I love the Downtown Women's Center in LA, which specifically helps women who are experiencing homelessness and in like really good multifaceted ways. It is not 
Um, it is not just a shelter, although they do provide some temporary housing. They have a really smart way of looking at holistically, like, what is this problem and what do people need? And uh, and then also the Library Foundation of Los Angeles. I'm like, I love a library. I feel like libraries are like, oh, my God, like hanging on civic institutions that are like doing the work on every single level that are like not just about books, but also very aligned with my love of books. The best. And then finally, I think th this year, a lot of my donating has been really informed at least domestic donating by the fact that I'm like, oh God, like the courts, like the courts and like fighting things in lawsuits are like really a tenuous and kind of like last line of defense, like now in a way that I have not felt that to be forever the case. And so I've got, you know, like your standard ACLU donation, but I also love to support the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, which is like, again, really playing a long game when it comes to how the rights of trans and gender non-conforming people are reflected for the long game. And so I'm also donating there. And yeah, and of course there are like lots of other, you and I were talking about this, about like looking at our giving receipts from the year where you're like, wow, like I can just see spikes in donations to things when like the headlines were really dominated with a specific issue. And like, I actually think that's okay. Like my goal for next year is to maybe like, like budget a pool of money so I can feel empowered to give more or to like know how much I can give when something is really feeling pressing, like when there's an immediate crisis at the border and I want to like support legal services or something like that. So I think that like that's another thing that I'm like, I don't think it's a bad thing that I give in this like gut way, but I would like to kind of know how much I have to give and like make that almost like plan for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's great. That's basically what I did last year. I decided that a certain percentage of my income I wanted to give away and, uh, you know, and part of it is like makes me feel great. And the other part of it is also I'm like, God bless. This is great for my tax situation. So I want to be clear about that. But the other thing that I I realize and part of what supporting Operation Santa is about. And I've also like throughout the this year, I've probably given more to donors choose than I have ever. Is mm -hmm. that, you know, like, you know me, I'm a compulsive shopper. Sometimes it's because I'm sad and that's how I like fix how I feel. And I was like, you know, now instead of like buying myself stuff that I don't need, I just give that money away and I have a budget for how much that money is and it makes me feel great. And also like I do that for political donations and also for like 501c3s. And I have just found that like as a general like, you know, anxiety reducing, compulsive shopping reducing mechanism, it like it's been great. So look into it. Yeah. And I, I feel like, too, I just want to say that, like, I don't feel like the dollar amounts are really the thing here. Like, I think a lot about how, like, if people just gave a percentage that felt reasonable and tried to, like, maybe increase that percentage a little or, like, as their income increases, that percentage will naturally increase a little. And thinking about that, um, you know, not to, like, bring this back to, like, all my Catholic damage again, but, like, uh, you know, I do think of it in kind of, like, a tithing way, right? Where I'm, like, oh, I give back, like, at oh, it's minimum definitely a certain percent. Yeah, definitely. and I think that, like, that is a thing that applies whether, you know, I mean, obviously, if you are, like, living on, like, a really, really tight budget, that percentage or that margin is maybe going to be, like, 
small, but also like that's okay because you can always feel good that even if you're giving away like $5 a month or whatever, you are more generous than like the wealthiest people in this country who as a percentage of income give away nothing. And so I just want to like be transparent about the like, oh my God, if you're feeling like my finances are really tough this year and I'm not giving a lot of money away. I just want to say like, I see you and you're doing great. Even if you were giving away a minor amount because, uh, eat the rich. Yeah. Every, (laughs) every dollar counts. And also like, you know, this also a good time to do the, to do kind of the books on like what you were giving to. I, you know, in, in, uh, in my other effort to like curb down my compulsive shopping, cause I realize that all I have to do is check out. It's not like I have to actually buy myself stuff. Like that's the sickness. I just have to like put things in a cart and check out and it makes me feel great is, um, I've been, so doing, you're a compulsive donator. Yeah. I'm a compulsive <laughs> donator now is that I also have been doing a lot of GoFundMes. And so I looked kind of like at the category of what they all were. And it turns out that like, I have, you know, like I, I have like certain things that I'm like powerless to, to like, I can't like see them and not give to people. If a black kid wants to go on study abroad, I'm like, take my money. If somebody is having, um, you know, like if somebody wants to have some sort of surgery that has to do with the body dysphoria that they feel, I'm like, take my money. Also, a lot of like healthcare related stuff, like a lot of cancer stuff. GoFundMe can't become a replacement for healthcare. And so I am happy to give, but at the same time, it reminds me that this is what I want to push my politicians on because part of why we are all stepping in to fill fill these gaps is because literally the government is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And that's also like a good way to think about what are the things that you're actually giving your money to that you like are causes that you want to adopt later, you know, or issues that you actually care about because you can't do all of it. This is the first year in a long time that I don't feel bad that I didn't give money to like this thing that I used to give money to or that I'm, you know, I'm not super plugged into like this other area that everybody is talking about. I was like, no, like it turns out that like I have my own pattern. I have my own interest. And this is the long game that I want to play. And I want to encourage like everybody in my network to do the same about the things that they care about. I love that. Uh, yes. We're on it. We're on it. Okay, boo boo. Speaking of, I got to go back to my other life that is on fire right now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the whole house is on fire. Isn't uh, it great to know that even when your life is on fire, like this podcast is like the same amount of technical dif- difficulty and like the same amount of pleasure and pain. Like it's just, we're a steady ship. <laughs> Ooh, child. <laughs> <laughs> You are the best. I will see you on the internet. See you on the internet. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download the show anywhere you listen to your faves or on Apple Podcast, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Smead. Our associate producer is Destry Maria Sibley. This podcast is produced by Gina Dalvac.